In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. While we are starting the journey of the Holy Great Fast, the Church pays special attention to our relationship with one another, because this fast should be a time for reconciliation. Reconciliation between us and God in repentance, and reconciliation between the person and himself in peace, and reconciliation between the person and others around him. So the Gospel of today was taken from chapter 5, from Gospel of St. Matthew, which is the Sermon on the Mountain. And the first observation about this Gospel, the Lord said, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. So, you have heard what was said, it was in the Old Testament, the commandment of God. But why God actually is taking us into another level, a higher level in commandments? There are two reasons for the Lord Jesus Christ is taking us from the level of the Old Testament into a higher level, the level of the New Testament. The first reason that in the Old Testament, all the struggle was based on the person's will, your effort. As we read in John chapter 1, the law was given by Moses, but the grace and truth by Jesus Christ. So when the Lord told me, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not murder, don't bear false witness, all these commandments based on my effort, not on the grace of God, because grace was not given yet. But in the new covenant, the grace was given to us to help us to keep the commandment. In the Old Testament, for 5,000 years, people were trying to keep the commandment, but they failed because our will is weak and we are as human beings weak. And we cannot keep the commandment of God except through His grace. As He said, without me, you cannot achieve anything. So, in the new covenant, God came and gave us grace. And the grace actually empowered me to keep the commandment. The grace also rebukes me if I break one of commandment and motivate me to offer repentance. The grace as well, when I break the commandment and ask forgiveness, will forgive my sins through the Eucharist. That's why the Lord took us to a higher level. You have heard that it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. So this commandment was limiting the evil of the people. For example, if one person block out an eye of another person, maybe the other person would kill him. So the Lord told him, no, no, don't kill him. Just make it an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. And this was not given for the people, actually. It was given for the judges. That's how they judge. If a person blocked out an eye, then an eye will be blocked from him. So it's not just for any person to avenge himself. But in the new covenant, because now we have the grace, God take us to a higher level. Don't resist an evil person. Because if you resist an evil person, you will be like him. 
But as the Lord said, be perfect as your father who is in heaven is perfect. But how can I differentiate if one, as the Lord said, whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him? How can I differentiate whether I am accepting this slap because of weakness or because of strength? Actually, if weakness, I will take this one slab and just be silent because I cannot do anything else. But if I turn the other cheek, this means it is my strength, my power. Not anyone actually can do this. It takes strength and takes power to turn the other cheek. That's why Satan actually is afraid from these powerful people who through the grace of God are able to turn the other cheek. There is a story in the paradise of the desert fathers. They brought a man possessed with demons to a monk in order to cast out the demons. So the demon was very frustrated to stand before this godly monk. So he made the man to slap the monk on his cheek. And the monk responded by turning the other cheek. So immediately, Satan actually was left this person immediately because he couldn't endure the strength and the power and the humility of this monk. The message here is the ability to forgive. When somebody hurts me, we need to forgive. Yes, there is difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Usually we confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. Forgiveness is letting go of the debt. Reconciliation is to reconcile our relationships again. Forgiveness is unconditional, but reconciliation is conditional. Let me give you analogy to understand what I am saying. If somebody took money from me, I lent him some money, and he did not turn the money back, and I tried to get my money back, he didn't. If I still waiting for this money, I am the one who is frustrated, I'm one who is angry, I'm one who is holding grudges in my heart. Maybe he doesn't care, he took the money and he's living his life. But if I decided to forgive him, I will have peace. So forgiveness actually is a favor I do to myself, not to the other person. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness means I let go of the debt. I'm not expecting anything back. But reconciliation, should I lend him again money? No. That's why I said it is conditional. If he repents, then I can lend him money. Of course, I'm not speaking about money. But if somebody is, for example, abusive, verbally abusive, I will forgive him because this will give me peace. But to start dealing with him again, he should repent. Otherwise, I am enabling, encouraging a wrong behavior. He should repent before we reconcile. So when the Lord said, don't resist an evil person in order not to be similar to him. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. The same principle the Lord repeated several times because he wants us to live in peace and to have peace with others. So he told us, if anyone wants to sew you and take away your tunic, let him have your cloak also. So again, it's the same idea. 
I'm not going to get into fight with another person, but I will let go in order to live in peace and to reconcile my relationship with the other. And giving him the clock means I did not let go of the tunic out of weakness because I am able to fight with him and get back my tunic. But I'm letting go of my tunic and also I give him willingly my cloak. There is another story actually in the paradise of the monks. While the monks were in the church praying, a thief came and entered a cell of one of the monks and took whatever in this cell. So after the church was over and the monk went back to his cell and he found that a thief took what was in his cell, he left some few things in the cell. So he took them and started looking for the thief. And he found him, so he told him, you left these things, maybe you needed them, and he gave them the rest of the stuff. Actually, when the thief saw this, he was pierced into his heart. What the monk did was an act of power, act of strength, act of peace. And this ended up by the thief repenting, and he joined the monastery and became one of the monks. That is the power of forgiveness. That's the power of making peace with others. And that's why the fathers called the second mile is the mile of love, mile of power, mile of strength. As he said, whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. So the second mile is the mile of power, mile of love. If you asked me to do something, if I do it just as you told me, maybe because of weakness, because I cannot say no to you. But if I did above and beyond your expectation, then actually it's the mile of love. And the mile of love can be applied in our relationship also with God. Some people in their relationship with God, they ask about the minimum requirement. What is the minimum requirement to take communion? What is the minimum requirement in fasting? What is the minimum requirement in prayer? How many prayers should I pray every day? Asking for the minimum requirement means you are doing this out of obligation. But a person who loves God, he wants to go above and beyond. He's not asking about how many times pray in the day. He will say, like we read in the Old Testament, I am prayer, means all my life is prayer. I'm not asking about the minimum requirement of fasting. Should I fast only the 40 days? Why should I fast the 55 days? He's not asking about this. He wants actually to do whatever he can do in order because he loves God. Can you imagine a person after his engagement asking his fiancée, what is the minimum requirement to keep our relationship going on? This is not an expression of love. It's an expression of obligation. But a person who loves goes to the second mile, goes above and beyond what is the expectation. And the same way when the Lord said, give to him who asks you and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. It's the same principle. We should be like our Heavenly Fathers, who actually, as 
that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And in our life, we can see how many people who blaspheme against God, or who do not believe in God, and who actually curse God. But in spite of this, they are successful in their life. Because God loves all and deals with all according to His love and kindness. He doesn't differentiate between here on earth, between an evil person or a godly man. Yes, in the inheritance, in, in the day of recompense, when He will give each one according to His deeds, it's another story because it's a, like a court. But here on earth, He let His Son rise on the evil and on the good. Then the Lord spoke about another higher level in our relationship with, with each other. He told us, you heard you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And these commandments seem very difficult. How can I love my enemy? The person who is planning to hurt me, how can I love him? A person who is gossiping about me, is bad-mouthing me, how can I love him? I want to explain something, not only for this commandment, but in any commandment. Any commandment, when we try to keep, there are two levels. The level of the mind and the level of the heart. I can try to keep the commandment on the level of the mind. But to change the heart, it is not mine. It is the grace of God. I cannot change my heart. So if we apply this principle to love your enemies. Love your enemies when I make a decision about loving my enemy on the level of the mind means I will do the works of love toward my enemy even if I don't feel it in my heart. As St. Paul explained in uh, Romans chapter 12, if your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him drink. These are the works of love. Even if I don't feel it in my heart, I will do the works of love. Then actually, when God see my faithfulness and my honesty in doing the works of love by my will, then God will change my heart. He will make my heart soft toward my enemy. As the Lord on the cross prayed for those who crucified him and said, Father, forgive their trespasses. And as St. Stephen, while he was stoned, he prayed and said, God, don't hold them accountable for this sin. So this love appears in our actions of love. Forgiveness is an action of love. When I decide, I choose to forgive, this is an action of love. That's why when we speak about forgiveness and we speak about love, it is not an ability. I cannot say it is in my ability. No. It is actually a choice we make. I choose to love this person. I choose to forgive this person. 
When I pray and ask God to help me, then God will grant me the grace in order to love others on the level of the mind and on the level of the heart. That's why the Lord told us, For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Not even the tax collector do the same. So why God is expecting from us a higher level than the tax collector? I told you for two reasons. One reason actually, as I explained, is the grace. The tax collector don't have the grace of God. The non-believer don't have the grace of God. But we have the grace of God. And the second reason, people actually became more spiritually mature. Like the commandment you give to your child will be different than what you tell him when he's a youth, different than what you tell him when he's adult. The more he is growing, the more actually you expect from him. As a child, maybe you don't expect from him to help in the garden. But when he grows, you expect from him to help in the garden. In the same way, when we're children spiritually, God gives us commandment that's suitable for our spiritual level. But when we grow into spiritual maturity, God actually is giving us a higher commandment, a higher level of commandment. So the Lord doesn't want us to be like the tax collector, like the non-believers. Because we received the grace, they did not receive grace. We are supposedly to be more spiritually mature than them. That's why he said, if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collector do so? And when the Lord told us, pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Believe me, and this is from a personal experience. I'm sharing with you a personal experience. When actually somebody hurts you or speaks bad about you, if you pray for him instead of judging him or instead of resisting the evil person, as the Lord said, if you pray for him, you will have peace. And also, with the peace, you can make right choices how to deal with this person. When we are angry, our choices are wrong. But when we are calm and peaceful, our choices will be right. Because they will be according to the grace of God. So, pray for those who speak bad about you, who negatively attack you. And you will find the fruit of this prayer. You will have peace in your heart. The Holy Spirit will guide you how to deal with these people. Don't deal with them out of anger, out of revenge, or according to the standards of the world. No, we are Christian, we are sons of the Holy One, and we need to be similar to Him. Do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And I'm sure all of you know the story of one of the orphans of the church, Al-Ma'alim Ibrahim al-Guhari. He was like a prime minister. And he was in the 18th century, so not from 4th century, or just very, very close to our time. And he has a brother, Al-Ma'alim Gergis al-Guhari. And some un-Christian people used to attack Al-Ma'alim Gergis and curse him. So he went to his brother 
and his brother actually is like prime minister so he has power and authority so he asked him to avenge him from these people and he asked actually literally to cut their tongues and the Ma'alim Ibrahim promised to cut their tongue and what happened later that the Ma'alim Ibrahim actually sent a huge container that has a lot of food a lot of clothes and sent it to these people and told them this is from Ma'alim Gergis Al-Guhari so they did not expect that after cursing him that is how they uh, he responded to them by doing good to them so the following day and instead of cursing him they actually thanked him and greeted him with respect so he was surprised and he went to ask Ma'alim Ibrahim what he, did he do and he told them I cu- you asked me to cut their tongue I cut the tongue of evil of cursing how? by doing good to them and even in our contemporary time I'm sure all of you know this sheikh who used to curse a Christian publicly and used to curse Christ and the Bible and then when he was sick and was treated in London Pope Shenouda sent one of the bishops and two priests to ask about his health and actually he could not understand this language the language of love how when he is sick we actually pray that God may heal him although he was cursing Christianity cursing Christ and cursing the scripture and this was a turning point in the life of this person and when he returned back to Egypt the first place he visited was the cathedral to thank Pope Shenouda for his love and for his forgiveness that's actually the power of the Christian commandment this is the power of love this is the power of forgiveness it turned our enemies to friends as the Lord told us I will send you as lambs among wolves and when actually as lambs we show love and forgiveness the wolf will turn into a lamb this happened with St. Paul himself who was like a wolf persecuting Christian killing Christian but when he saw St. Stephen praying for those who were stoning him this wolf his heart was pierced and he turned it into a lamb so while we are starting the journey of the great fast the church is teaching us how to grow into perfection how to be children of our heavenly father as he told us be perfect as your father in heaven is perfect so let us re-examine our relationships with others how we deal with them do we deal with them with Christian love do we deal with them with forgiveness or we deal with them according to the standards of the world may the Lord actually touch our heart and grant us his grace so we'll be able to grow into perfection as our heavenly father is perfect glory be to God forever and ever Amen